0: Okay, welcome everyone. I am here with the two founders of TheBestDayEver.com, also the two gentlemen responsible for the Longevity Now conferences. These are two uh, amazing things that have been developed over the last 10 years, and you two have known each other for a while and just done some remarkable work together. So I just like to first first ask Dave, what, what's it like having worked with Len Foley over all these years and watching it come to fruition with the Best Day Ever and Longevity Now conferences? And, and now we have the Longevity Warehouse. This is quite an amazing development we've seen the last decade.
1: It's awesome. I mean, it's just the evolution of a long friendship. It's also the evolution of the information itself. You know, we've been, I believe, Lentful, and I've been kind of guided by where the information is leading us, and it's it's a development of living foods. It's a development of superfoods, and then now we're seeing this development and kind of fleshing out of the super herb idea, or as Truth Calkins calls it, calls it or or Ron Teagarden calls it, the tonic herb idea. And so we're just following along with where the energy is going, and, and I think we've been very successful because we've been kind of tuning into that and and where people are at. You know, what, what do people want to hear about? What do they want to learn about? And so we've been also really, I think, very effective at, at communicating to all the folks out there as to, you know, where the cutting edge is and, and how they can participate.
0: And we're here on this particular interview to talk about the cutting edge of chocolate and where that's leading us, Dave. And that brings us over to Len Foley. Len Foley recently just spent some time in Ecuador going over our amazing chocolate farms, reviewing them, uh, checking to make sure that they're up to the highest standards. And he had some great experiences in Ecuador that he's going to share with us today. So, Len, I'd like to turn it over to you now. And what was your experience going down to Ecuador? What were some of the surprises and and what were some of the pleasant ones, as well as some of the other experiences that you had that could educate our listeners in terms of what's going on down there in the chocolate trade? Well, one of the biggest surprises was actually getting
2: into Robert Williams' um, vortex, his world, which is basically the chocolate world of Ecuador, and really experiencing that firsthand. I've known Robert Williams for a few years now and really have a, a lot of respect for his genius and being able to really source the best superfoods and the best superherbs in the world, in my opinion, and I would believe in Dave's opinion as well, because he Again, he's not a person that just wants to make a quick buck. He actually only picks the stuff that he personally eats, and he only eats the best. So one of the things that I discovered when I was with Robert was, first of all, we don't actually get our chocolate from farms, which is, may, may come as a surprise to a lot of people. There are no farmers, quote-unquote farmers, who actually produce our, our chocolate. We get our chocolate from fields. And the difference is, and this may be very shocking to a lot of people, when I was in Ecuador. We drove by many farms, many chocolate farms. In fact, thousands and thousands of acres of cacao fields that I personally toured and drove by and drove around and, and met some of the farmers that were actually caring for these different um, different farms. And what was very interesting about that is that all of the chocolate farms that I saw, and I'm not saying 85% or 99%, I'm saying all of the chocolate farms that I saw in Ecuador were CCN51 chocolate bushes. They weren't even really chocolate trees. And I think people really need to realize that even if you're getting your cacao, purely organic cacao, the chance of you getting organic cacao that's not CCN51 is very slim. And the reason why I say that is to create a CCN51 cacao plant does not take that much time in fact the cacao and i call them bushes because they're only about five or six feet tall and they have to grow these bushes in between banana plants to actually shade them because as david will explain in a minute cacao needs a lot of shade and the old way of growing cacao was you'd have these 30 to 40 foot trees that would be anywhere from you know 35 to 40 years old um these older trees would produce uh, a a pretty consistent crop but not nearly as much as these CCN51 plants. And these CCN51 trees, or bushes as I like to call them, you can literally plant a seed and within three to five years you could start producing um, chocolate and actually reaping chocolate from these plants. And a lot more comes off of these bushes than an actual cacao tree. So within a a cacao tree which is the only chocolate that we supply at the Longevity Warehouse comes from old trees in high elevation from fields, naturally occurring fields. The difference between chocolate that comes from a cacao tree and chocolate that comes from these quote-unquote bushes is that when you enter these fields, you literally become um, like a target for just thousands and thousands of insects. And there are amphibians and worms and frogs. Just everywhere you look, there are mosquitoes and flies. It's because it's a naturally occurring um, ecosystem that you're entering into. When I traveled through a lot of these uh, CCN51 hybridized uh, farms... We didn't hear a single thing. We didn't see any animals. We didn't see any amphibians, no worms or frogs, and not a single mosquito. I could walk around in shorts and a T-shirt in these farms and not worry about getting bitten by a mosquito, whereas when we were in the fields that Robert Williams uh, had had found a lot of these fields you couldn't you I literally put a hat on with a hood over the hat pulled down over my face and my hands covered because there were so many mosquitoes everywhere. And that by itself is a shocking revelation because the reason why that there's no mosquitoes and insects and amphibians in a lot of the ccn fifty one Plantations or, or farms, as, you know, as we call them, is because they're s- so heavily sprayed and sprayed with what? We have no idea. So one of the things that really distinguishes what we're doing with the Longevity Warehouse and all of the other chocolate or rock a cow producers is that we have somebody who lives in Ecuador because it's not enough to go to Ecuador and meet farmers or meet people who are you buying your chocolate from and hear their story. You actually have to have somebody in Ecuador who lives there and speaks the language it actually works with the people who produce the chocolate that you're getting and they they know exactly where it's coming from where you know when it's been harvested and who actually is harvesting it and have a relationship with all these people because if you don't have a relationship with these people chances are they're going to say they're going to be giving you you one thing, and chances are you're going to be getting something completely different. So it was a really eye-opening experience. I I have a lot of video footage, actually, that I'll be releasing very soon of my tours through some of these chocolate uh, plantations or farms, and then also the specific fields that we harvest our chocolate from. Now, another difference is we can't supply as much chocolate as a lot of other chocolate suppliers because ours is literally handpicked from tall, huge trees that makes it much more difficult for us to actually get that chocolate. It's a much more labor intensive process than somebody walking up to a five foot tree and just pulling it off. They literally have to either climb the trees or get these long, these long shears to cut the chocolate down. But it's a very labor intensive process and this is actually supporting many local people, and again, it's not local farmers. These are local people that have these fields on their property or near their property, and they just harvest the chocolate forest. And Robert goes in and works directly with all these people and has relationships with them um, for them to harvest this forest. So again, these aren't professional farmers, these aren't professional quote unquote, you know, business people. These are just folks that are just lucky enough to have these really high elevation crops on their land and they're kind enough to uh, enter into a relationship with our company through Robert Williams so we can supply the best chocolate In the universe and you will taste the difference when you try this chocolate because it is so highly mineralized and so potent. It's actually, it tastes and feels like eating an herb sometimes when you eat this chocolate because it's just so potent and I would take the Pepsi challenge against any other cacao out there because it's that powerful but the reason why I wanted to have this little chat with Dave and and yourself, Louis, because I think this is a story that needs to get out there. People need to realize that not all raw organic cacao is created equal, and we really need to explore where chocolate is being sourced from and why ours is absolutely the best.
0: Okay, awesome. There's a lot of interesting things, and I want to come back to Robert Williams and some of the other things that are going on down in Ecuador. I'd like to turn it over to you now, Dave, and just talk about you're, you're a cacao farmer yourself. You're growing cacao. You've had some great experiences with cacao. Not only that, Dave, you're also one of the main personalities responsible for the huge influx in the raw cacao movement. We've seen this whole transformation over the last decade of cacao being introduced into our health food stores, whole foods, different markets, different products, various forms Forms of raw chocolates, superfood chocolates, and this is in large part due to the work that you've spent just tirelessly going through various lectures and town after town after town giving the um, giving the, the download on the benefits of raw cacao. So what is what Len had to say? How does that relate to your experience as a cacao grower yourself and the ramifications um, of that in terms of the qualities of the cacao possessed by uh, the high elevation crop compared to, say, the low uh, CCN 51 bushes? What's, what, are the, what are the differences that we can expect from those two? And then what are some of the insights you you have as a cacao grower, the things that are needed to produce uh, a good quality cacao tree?
1: Okay, well, I first want to just talk about the different varieties of cacao that are out there because when we start throwing names around like CCN 51 or Ariba nacional, or Criollo variety chocolate or Emelanado or uh, Marañón or any of these other names. It can become awful confusing very quickly. So I want to just kind of summarize where we are in our understanding of the different varieties of cacao and why we go to the original indigenous wild cacao from Ecuador, which is Riba Nacional, instead of the hybrid CCN 51, which is sold really because it's a very hardy bush. It is a bush more than a tree. It's extremely hardy, and it produces very high amounts of chocolate very quickly. Not very good chocolate. In fact, it's poor tasting, but that's why CCN 51 has kind of taken over Ecuador, and we've got our guys in there fighting to keep Ariba Nacional in the game, and, and that's really one of the main thrusts of our work in Ecuador is to is to resuscitate and revive the original Ecuadorian chocolate, which is Ariba Nacional. There was published in 2008 an article called Geographic and Genetic Population Differentiation of the Amazonian Chocolate Tree. And this article is probably the most important work in differentiating the different types of cacaos that are out there that have been done ever. And it was a genetic... Um, germ-plasm examination of all the cacao from Central America all the way down into the Amazon, including Ecuador and Colombia and, and Venezuela. And what came to light as a result of, of that was different clusters of different types of cacao. Um, a melanado is the kind that's growing in the Amazon. I've had that in the Amazon. It's a, it almost looks like a melon. That's why they call it a melanado. Um, there's contamana. There's criollo varieties, which are all Central American varieties, by the way. And you hear criollo thrown around quite a bit. Um, Criollo is, is a dainty, it's, it's really a beautiful tree because I grow Criollo, some Criollo varieties we brought in from Central America into Hawaii, and it's a very dainty mountain cacao, and it's very delicate and beautiful, and it's a fun tree to grow, but but it's delicate, it's, it's not a very hardy species, and it's definitely not a very good producing species, and, and not necessarily the best tasting either, you know, it's kind of this thing that gets thrown around in the chocolate world, criolla is the best, not really, it could be in some areas for sure, um, but not really, um, there's Guiana, there's Iquitos cacao, there's Marignol, um, there's Nane, Poros, and, and Nacional, the Arriba Nacional is what we're talking about here, because here we're talking about, a very tried-and-true type of cacao that's been grown in Ecuador since the beginning of time, and it had to be differentiated around the turn of the century, maybe 1900, because there was a bunch of Venezuelan cultivars that were being brought in, and of those hybrid varieties, CCN 51 came to dominate. So the, the, the variety that we work with, again, is the wild, original Ecuadorian cacao that's really a tree that grows in the jungle, and some of them are 35 or 40 years old. Some of those trees are much older than that, and they produce a much richer mineral Content cacao that has a richer, darker flavor, more of a coffee flavor. It has more lignans in it. You know, those folks who are coffee drinkers and are listening right now, the lignin is kind of that black stuff that's in that's in roasted coffee. That lignin is what really can give that richness of taste. Whereas a a young C C N fifty one hybrid. It's not digging that deep into the soil. It hasn't been there that long. The, the beans are really big, and it doesn't really have that lignin formation, which, which is a lot of the magic of chocolate. That gives it that deep essence, that deep um, aroma um, that you're that you're used to with a really good chocolate. Now, out of all of these cacao varieties, Ariba Nacional is the way we do it. Is we actually get it right from the pod. So there's no trickery going on. There's no beans that have already been processed because it's hard to tell. Once they've already been processed into cacao beans, it's hard to tell what you're dealing with. But when you get it from the pod, you know exactly what you're dealing with. And it's processed through our, our technology right from pod, which is the fruit that contains all the cacao beans in it. It's really a nut tree, by the way. Cacao is really a nut tree. And each pod contains about 30 cacao nuts or cacao beans. And then they're processed right along into different chocolate products, the chocolate powder, the cacao butter. The paste, the whole cacao beans that we're working with in the nibs, and, and those are all the products that come out of the Ariba Nacional project that we have going on in Ecuador.
0: Okay, fantastic, and we were talking about this earlier, uh, Len Foley and I, and doing business down in Ecuador isn't as easy as it would seem. It seems like, you know, you, you want to start selling some chocolate, you would go down to find some local farms and find a supplier, and then you just ship your chocolate up and you would distribute it, but for those who have been monitoring the longevity warehouse since our inception this winter, uh, you've noticed that it took us quite a long time before we were able to actually get raw cacao on our website available to people, it's not as easy as it would seem. So Len, can you shed a little bit of light on how business is conducted down there and how great an ally we have in Robert Williams at protecting us and making sure that we get a very high quality cacao and and some of the sort of backdoor dealings that go on down there just so people get an idea of what it's like to do business down there because there's the whole business side as well as the health side. That's actually a really good point. And just so everybody
2: knows, anybody can do business in Ecuador. You can go down there tomorrow and buy, you know, dehydrated bananas and raw chocolate. You can get pretty much anything you want. But if your, you know, goal is to get the highest quality foods at reasonable prices that you can deliver to people for reasonable reasonable prices, that is a whole different story because it is very difficult for somebody who has a high quality standard to go into there and demand that quality standard and expect them to actually adhere to it because Ecuador is a very poor country and money speaks a lot louder than anything else and money is very powerful there, and it's a very powerful motivator for people to do whatever it takes to make sure that they're able to make that money. And if it means lying, they'll lie. If it means having to, you know, perhaps uh, create some paperwork that may not be exactly uh, legal or necessarily truthful, then it's very easy for that to come about because the bottom line is they want your business, and they'll say Pretty much anything that they need to say in order to get that business. And again, it doesn't mean that you're going to be getting food that's going to be super heavily sprayed, but again, it may not be the best ever. And unless somebody's down there living, and I really. You know, living down there with Robert for over uh, seven days and just we traveled over a thousand miles together all through Ecuador, uh, checking out all these different farms all over the place. It was a real eye-opener because he would explain this to me again and again, but I didn't really get it until I was there. And once you've driven by, you know, acre after acre after acre of all these different cacao fields and you realize that almost everything you're looking at is hybridized, it puts it all into perspective because then you wonder, well, where's the real chocolate? Where can I find the real chocolate? And then when we drove into these, like, you know, these dirt roads into these areas that probably very few people ever venture to to enter into, and then you see that that's where our cacao comes from in these in these very intensely muddy areas because it, it all the. Cacao is grown from natural rainwater, and then the mud is so thick. I mean, you get mud caked all over your shoes. It's everywhere. It's just like this big, thick, muddy – it's all mineral mud. Like, it's all highly charged mineral mud. But it's, a, it's amazing. It's not a place that you'd want to vacation to, or it's not a place that you'd want to go down and do business to. It's a place that you're going to source the best superfoods and the best chocolate from. And so I really got a deep appreciation for exactly what Robert is doing. He is basically out there in the jungles of Ecuador sourcing the best products and he doesn't care what it takes. And he will, and he, he knows too. And believe me, he's been lied to many times before and he's gotten people that have promised him one kind of product and they give him something else and a lot of times by looking at it and tasting it, he'll know in two seconds if he's been ripped off and he'll send it all back and he's done that many, many times. So, you know, we've been very patient with Robert because we realize what he's doing is not normal business practice. It's literally trying to source the best products in a world that is a little bit difficult to navigate, and it takes a lot of skill, and obviously he speaks fluent Spanish, so that helps him quite a bit, and he knows a lot of people there through relationships that he's cultivated over the years, so he has a very strong network of people that he works with that trusted comrades that he knows that will only give him the real deal when he asks for it. So. Yeah, it's, it's it's it was a big eye-opener for me and I realized just how impossible it would be if I were to try to do this on my own or travel down to Ecuador twice a year and try to source products because I know for a fact I would be lied to. I would be ripped off. There was no way I'd be able to go down there and do business without getting ripped off because I'm not of there. I don't live there. So we're very fortunate to have somebody like Robert Williams who is on the front lines for us all the time, you know, in living this lifestyle and really just trying to get the best of the best any way that he can. And we're very fortunate to have that.
0: That's fantastic. That shows a really great light onto what he's doing down there. And Dave, I know you're very aware of Robert Williams' dedication to, you know, high, high quality. And um, for the people who are listening, Dave, can you talk a little bit about the, the way cacao fits into our modern culture? I know uh, some of your presentations at the Longevity Now conference, you've explained in great detail about how indigenous peoples would make like a daily cacao drink, and that would be their medicine. They would mix their local herbs. So, for example, in the Amazonian system, they would be mixing some of the Amazonian herbs in with the cacao. Um, can you talk a little bit how that translates into a modern Western lifestyle? In a similar way, how can we make uh, a sort of daily cacao drink? Should we be making a daily cacao drink? Or what is our approach as, you know, for example, modern Americans? How are we going to integrate that sort of daily ritual into our protocol? And with what other things should we be mixing with our cacao?
1: Chocolate itself is the world's favorite food, and it's always been a, a tremendous delivery system of medicine. That's its original incarnation. That's the way it was originally used all along. In fact, most of the original cacao beverages, and it was always served as a beverage, actually, were unsweetened. So they would be taken bitter. So it was, you'd, you'd take your bitter herbs, you'd put your chocolate in there, you'd crush it up as best as you can. Back then, all they had was molinillos. You didn't have blenders, but they did the best they could, and they'd make a beverage out of it, a hot beverage, and they'd drink it down, and, and that was their medicine. And it was something that I'm sure in in... India or in China they had approximated to with their different formulas like the Chivan Prash formula that's taking their top herbs and mixing it with honey and trying to get to that chocolate lignin rich aromatic flavor but they weren't able to get there and in Chinese medicine their whole super pill idea where they take all their favorite herbs and roll them up into a honey ball and try to get those, that that rich dark flavor, but couldn't get it because they didn't have chocolate. Well, here in the Amazon, and here in the New World, and here in Central America, and here in Ecuador on this side of the world, they were able to get to it. They were able to nail that that particular combination of essences, the herbal essence and the chocolate aroma and flavor and bring together what I believe is really the future of healing in in terms of herbalism because you could take an herb and powder it and try to eat it and you're going to gag most of the time. But when you mix it with chocolate, it's a whole nother story. It actually comes into your body as food. Your body identifies it as food, and you immediately eliminate the biggest problem in herbalism, which is compliance. Will you actually eat it? And what we're doing is we're just taking an ancient system of herbalism, which is the cacao drink with all the herbs in it, and we're just upgrading it to the modern age right, to the to our present day time. And we're able to take whichever herbs we really like. If we're in the temperate regions and we like horsetail and nettles, boom, we'll do that. If we love the Amazonian herbs like pau d'arco arco and cat's claw, then boom, we can do that we can go back to those original formulas. We're able to take some of the original superfoods that we're eating with chocolate, like maca and acai, and mix those together and make that happen. We're able to take some of the Chinese herbs now and the Ayurvedic herbs, whether it's astragalus or hoshuwu or Shazandra berry or gynostemma, and, and we, Tulsi and ashwagandha and Shadavari and we're able to mix that with chocolate now in, in the way that probably the ancients, the ancient vedics and the ancient Taoists had, had always wanted to get to those flavor components but now we get that at home. And it all begins with the drink. I just recently rewrote my book, Naked Chocolate, that I wrote with Shazzy about five, six years ago now. And in there, I was going through the the recipe section, part four, which is a very, very important section of that book. And I think one of the most important sections written about herbalism ever. Because what it's doing is it's saying, hey, you want to overcome any objection to herbalism, let's throw everything into a chocolate drink, here's how you do it. And you can do it in a number of ways, and just for the folks who are listening right now where this is new to you, you can take your tea, let's say it's green tea, something real simple, and you blend the cacao into it, and then you add, you know, it could be cacao powder, it could be cacao paste. It could be cacao beans, it could be a little bit of cacao butter, whatever works for you, whatever you want to do it. You blend it all together and you get this this amazing combination. And if you need a little bit of sweetened, then you use a little bit of honey or maybe you blend a few berries in there and boom, you're right on track to developing these chocolate drinks that I'm referencing here. That's how you start. You know, very simple. You take your herbal tea, you blend a little cacao into it, boom, you're off to the races. And I do this a lot. Whenever I turn people on to my teas, because I'm just a tea maker, it's genetic, I don't know, I just have this thing about tea making, and um, I put a little bit of cacao paste into the tea when it's hot, and it melts. And, all, and then I serve that to people with just a little tiny bit of honey, not too much, just give them a nice little edge. And the, the tea might be something like, um, I like the longevity tea, the Gynosemite tea. And, and people drink that and they're like, my God, what is going on here? Because it has the essence of a hot chocolate. It has the essence of something we're familiar with. But, we, but people just, they can't land it because they didn't see me actually even blend anything. Because like I I just take a little piece of the cacao paste, throw it in there and it melts. And so this is really kind of a fun party trick. And an easy way in for for beginners and those folks who are more intermediate and advanced students. Then you know what we're really doing for you is we're just taking a very powerful wild cacao variety, the Ariba Nacional, from Ecuador and just making it available to you and process pure all the way through. By the way, like what Len was saying about being lied to, I've been massively lied to by Ecuadorian um, business people and and the people that I trusted in Ecuador and and. I love the Ecuadorian people, and I love Ecuador, and it's not, it's not to fault any people there. But there are people who will tell you one story um, in order to get your business, as Len was alluding to and you have to be very careful, and I was definitely lied to, and I was tricked on a number of different things, and that's why we have to have a guy in there, Robert Williams, who handles it, so it's done from A to Z correctly the way we want it to be done, not in the way they think we want it to be done, but in the way that that only our guy will know exactly what to do, and that's why it's set up that way now, and it's been a long haul, and we are more than excited to have these products out there now, all these, this entire chocolate line of Wild nasty National Goodies that's going to be for all of us and helping out everybody who can get their hands on this stuff.
2: And Dave, I want to address something that you just mentioned just before we end here about the cacao paste because there's a, a little bit of a misconception about cacao powder being the finest version of cacao you can buy, meaning the most blendable version. And in actuality, the paste is better to blend into drinks than the powder, which I, I was shocked not just to hear about, but to actually experience, and Robert Williams actually taught me this, that when you put cacao in a warm, or even in a cold drink that's a, in the paste form, that actually is a much better, um, it, it's much more absorbable into your body, and it's also much less gritty than the powder, and the, the powder's not really gritty at all, but it, for those of you who've been drinking cacao powder for a long time, I encourage you to try the paste because you're going to experience something a little bit different than what you've normally grown accustomed to, either with paste or taking the nibs or with the beans. The paste is a fantastic, fantastic drink additive.
1: I'd have to agree with you, Len. I think that's absolutely right on. I think the paste is a very, very special product because all the oil is intact. And all it is is the cacao beans stone ground for 18 hours in order to break down the molecular size so the whole thing becomes much more bioavailable. There's no additives, of course. It's just 100% cacao, and it's all raw process, cold
0: process. We're so excited to have these products available at longevitywarehouse.com. We want to thank both Len Foley and David Wolf, two pioneers in the health industry, getting us these products, having them available to us, keeping multinational corporations and GMO at bay, supporting the small organic farmer and really taking care of the planet through the businesses that we choose to support and the information that we're putting forth through the Best Day Ever, the media blog, and through so many avenues. This has been fantastic information, so I want to thank you both, David Wolf and Len Foley. Thank you, Lou.